On this edition of The Literary Life, you'll come to understand why I think of myself as the luckiest guy in the world. I get to work side by side with some of the most brilliant booksellers anywhere and talk books. That's what I'll be doing today with Books and Books' very own Gael Leila Mare, Christina Nasti, and Christina Russell. We'll be suggesting summer reading, remembering recent books we read and loved, and all the while trying to entice you to head to your local indie bookstore and take a chance on something new. Welcome to this episode of The Literary Life. We're going to be talking about the summer reading books, but then we'll also be talking just about the books that all of these folks seem to be uh, liking in the last few months. So I want to introduce everybody first. Gael is our uh, head buyer uh, for adult um, work. And Gael, do you want to talk a little bit about your background? Sure. Hi, Mitchell. Um, I am originally from New York. I have um, a background in art history, but ended up working in books um, when I moved to Miami. And I've been with Books and Books for, I think, close to seven years now. And I've been buying, I think, for close to five or six. And she's been doing it all really, really well. And I also would like to introduce Christina Russell, who is our head buyer for young adult um, children's and romance as well. Christina. Hi, Mitchell. Thank you for having me. Um, I mean, I'm from Miami and Books and Books is my childhood bookstore. Um, So I've been here about four years now and buying for most of those. And I love it. And you're also responsible for Books and Books having a romance section, which I find really, really interesting too. (laughs) It's my favorite section, so. Well, your taste is all over, which is great. And then we have uh, Christina Nasti as well. Christina um, is in charge of all of our events and marketing. She coordinates all of that. And for those of you who've been paying attention to what we do at Books and Books, we've had a very, very full schedule of, uh, we used to have a full schedule before the lockdown, before the pandemic, but during the pandemic, everything has gone virtual. Um, And Christina is become an online personality. Almost every single night, she's introducing an event uh, from our store. Christina? Yes, yes. It's been fun. It's been uh, adventures in the green room, for sure. Um, I'm from Miami. Uh, I was born here, grew up here. And uh, 20 years in July, I've spent at Books and Books. So what and that an doesn't education. Even include, that doesn't even include <laughs> an early stint when you were in school. For, oh, my God, that's right, in college. For just a couple of years. So yep. um, we all go way back. So I want to start with Gael, who's got some really great, um, I know she's got some great suggestions. She's always putting galleys in my box, and she never fails to give me something that I've fallen in love with. So Gael, what are you, uh, what are you high on? 
So <clears throat> the first book I want to talk about is one of my very favorite books I've read in a long while. Um, I found it impossible to put down. It's also a little impossible to define as it does so many things. And that is A Ghost in the Throat by Doreen Negrifa. Yes. Um, published by Biblioasis. So um, like I said, this is a, this book does a lot of things, but does it so well. Um, the author uh, becomes obsessed with a 200 year old oral poem by Eileen Dove Naconnell. She's an Irish poet. And the poem is about the murder of her husband and her grief afterwards. And the author of A Ghost in the Throat goes on a bit of a quest to find out more about her, about the poet. Uh, very little is known about her, very little research seems to have been done. And what follows uh, during this unearthing of this kind of voice that has been kept in the shadows and erased, um, the authors, both authors separated by centuries begin to sort of um, haunt each other and in a sense, begin to save one another. Um, it's a really stunning blend of history, literary criticism, poetry, and also memoir as the author shares her story. And it's very much a, you know, meditation of motherhood as well and selflessness. But at its root, this is a book about obsession and it beautifully captures what it is to have um, a powerful connection with a work of art or a work of literature. I'm sure we've all been there when we read a book or see a painting or hear a song and we become enamored and we go down a bit of a rabbit hole trying to find out everything there is to know. And what I really love about this book is the entire book seems to be a bit of a prologue to the poem because at the end of the book, she retranslates the poem. Um, so I, I found that, you know, it's the bit of the grand finale at the end of the book. So I implore everybody to pick up this book. You will fall under its strange spell. It's full of ghosts and echoes. It's everything I love about literature and more. This is a book I will recommend forever. It's called A Ghost in the Throat. And the last time I heard Gael this excited about a book is when she was telling all of us about Shuggy Bain, Yay, Shuggy. Which, which went on to win the Booker <laughs> Award and the National Book Award and all kinds of wonderful things. So you better go out and you better get A Ghost in the Throat by who? Doreen uh, Negrifa. Perfect, thank you. Um, sure. Let's go to Christina Russell. Christina? Yeah, um, so the first book I wanna talk about is probably my favorite thing I've read this year. Um, it's, it's fiction, it, it, but it, it definitely has a strong romantic storyline in it. It's called Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, published by uh, Grand Central Publishing. And um, I think it's a perfect summer read because it's incredibly propulsive. It's funny. It's very beautiful. It's got a romance in it. It's, it's just like great, great fun to read. Um, and it's the story of two Black writers one who writes a long running popular vampire romance series, and then the other who writes um, award-winning literary fiction. And seemingly um, like the literati don't think they would have anything in common, um, but we find out that they've essentially been writing these books for and like to each other um, over the years. Um, and it's because many, many years ago they had this really transformative important week together 
hence the title Seven Days in June. I think that's like all I can say about it as far as describing the story, um, but it's incredibly satisfying the way everything comes back together. It sort of jumps around in time. Um, I could not put it down. I thought it was gorgeously written. Um, and it's for romance fans, very much like a masterclass in a second chance romance trope. Like I've never read it done better than this before. So. Now both Christine and Gael, are both of these books out and available now or are they coming out soon? They are out. They're both out now. So you can find them either you know, through Books and Books, through Bookshop, or through your local indie bookstore. They are available. Uh, Christina, Christina Nasti, what, are you, what have you been reading? So before I launch into that, I just want to agree with Gael because we actually found that we were reading A Ghost in the Throat simultaneously without knowing it. And um, I picked it up. I picked up the galley at Winter Institute and it is phenomenal. So 100%, what a great book that is. And I had no idea how to pronounce the author's name. So thank you. Um, so the first book that I want to talk about is Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And it's published by Ballantine Books. Um, and of course, Taylor Jenkins Reid is uh, the New York Times bestselling author of Daisy Jones and the Six. And this is a story of four famous siblings who throw an epic party to celebrate the end of the summer. And um, the book takes place over the course of 24 hours that change all of their lives forever. Um, it's set in Malibu in 1983. And these are like the Riva siblings. Um, everyone wants to be around them. There's Nina, who's a talented surfer and supermodel. And there's Jay and Hud, who are the brothers. Uh, one is a champion surfer. The other one's a renowned photographer. And their baby sister, uh, Kit. And um, together, you know, there's, they're a source of fascination the world over, but they have this like one unforgettable night in the life of the family uh, where they have to choose, you know, to kind of define who they are. Um, it's a really, it's a great read for the summer. Uh, she's done it again. And her, what was her book before this one that was a big seller? Daisy Jones and the Six. And Malibu Rising is coming out when? It's out already. We, um, we just had the virtual event with Taylor last night. Which reminds uh, just, me yeah. that if people want to check out, if you go to booksandbooks.com, you can check out, is that, am I right, Christina, our virtual event archive? So yes. you can see some of the older virtual events. I think we put them up like the day after usually or two days after. Yes, they're right on the homepage. Right on the homepage, yeah. you can look up the virtual event archive and a lot of those events are, are there. Who is she in conversation with? With uh, Jasmine Gilroy, oh, the romance writer. And it was a wonderful conversation because Taylor is a big fan of Jasmine's and vice versa. So really interesting conversation. Well, the first book that I'm gonna talk about is a book that I've been high on for a while. And um, it happens to be the first book by the new publisher Spiegel and Grau. Spiegel and Grau used to have an imprint at Penguin Random House. And now they've gone out on their own. And their very first book is a book called Fox and I, an Uncommon Friendship by Catherine Raven. Um, this is a memoir 
uh, so it falls in the nonfiction category. It's basically a memoir about the friendship between a woman who's somewhat solitary and a wild fox in Montana. It's kind of for readers for, uh, of Wild or H's for Hawk or some of the great, great books by Barry Lopez or Gretel Ehrlich. It's for people who want to read and get connected to nature and the power of nature. Um, basically, um, uh, Catherine is a um, biologist who's a bit of a loner. And she's living alone in Wyoming, in the wilds of Wyoming, but yet she's teaching biology as well uh, at a university. You know, most biologists do not anthropomorphize animals. It's kind of against what they believe. Uh, and she was one of those until one day a fox showed up in her out of the way driveway in her house in the middle of the wild. And this was kind of a mangy wild fox would show up every day at 4.15. And she developed a relationship with this fox. But in developing this relationship, she also began to learn more about herself, more about her, her notion of science, more about her notion of animals. And what's, what I loved about it is that very little of her own life is told, but in the description and the way she describes nature, it's about all you need to really know about her with the incredible amount of detail. It, there's no, it's not a coincidence that Temple Grandin read this and loved it. And she says, Fox and I will make you feel deeply about our relationship with animals and nature. After you read this book, you will experience animals in a new and marvelous way. And the other way, the only other thing I would add to that is after you read this, you take a walk around your block and you start looking at things you never really paid attention to. So that's The Fox and I, An Uncommon Friendship. I think this one will be out in a week or two, I believe. I don't think this is in the stores now, but you could always pre-order it from any of your, um, any of the stores that you normally go to. Uh, Gael, what do you have? What else? What else are you reading? What else? Uh, my next about? pick, <clears throat> my next pick is The Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. And I think this is the quintessential perfect summer read. It is epic. It is so multi-layered, it is vivid. Um, it tells the story of two women and uh, separated by 60 years. So there seems to be a bit of a theme in my books of people separated by time kind of in conversation with each other. Um, so two women separated by 60 years. Uh, Marion Graves is an aviator uh, who is in her attempt to circumnavigate the earth on a north-south, so pole-to-pole -pole circumnavigation, she ends up disappearing uh, off the coast of Antar Antarctica in the 1950s. And Hadley Baxter is an actress in modern day um, who is cast to play her in a movie of her life. Uh, so the narrative shifts between the two timelines, but we spend most of our time with Marion and also the story of her growing up with her twin brother. Um, and we watch as Marion charts her own course. She refuses to conform to society's expectation of what women should be at at the time. Um, but I love this book. I also found it impossible to put down, which is a lot saying for a 600 page book, but please do not let that scare you. 
the pacing is perfect. The, the story is just really vivid and magnificent. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Would you repeat the title? The Great Circle. Well, actually it's Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead, published by Knopf. And we've sold a bunch of her books at Books yes. and Books in the past. She's, she never fails to, uh, to deliver. Christina Russell, what are you reading? So I'm going to actually shift gears to little kids for, for a book here, which is, um, I want to recommend Dogs at Work by Margaret Carzillo. Um, it's illustrated by Zachariah O'Hora. It's coming out June 22nd from uh, Balter and Bray. I, I love this book. It's very aptly titled and it is about dogs who go to work. Um, it's sort of a nonfiction meets fiction, um, but in the story in the book, when all the dogs go to work, the little kids in the picture book are wandering, wandering around sort of listless, um, wondering who to go on walks with and like who to cuddle because the dogs are at work. And it has a really cool back matter that talks about um, real dogs who do real jobs like therapy dogs, um, herding dogs, etc. And I, uh, I, I've, oh, I've been a big fan of Zachariah Hora's illustrations forever. They're very vibrant. They give a ton of life to this book. I think it's a perfect gift for little kids in your life. I think it's um, a, really great for dog lovers in general. And it's, it's one of my favorite picture books of the year. You know, I, I have to say that Margaret's work is remarkable. But whenever you talk about picture books now, I mean, one of the things that I've been doing, even though my kids are all grown, is with the recent death of Eric Carle, who's someone that I admired and loved and never got tired of reading his books. I sort of, my kids, although they're gone, their books are still here in the house. And I went through and I started looking at the books of his that I really loved. So there are two, you know, Papa, Please Get the Moon for Me. It's probably my favorite of his. And then there's a book that you don't hear a lot about of his called The Tiny Seed, which is a wonderful book about, um, you know, death and rebirth and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, I think this would be a good time to honor the memory of Eric Carl this summer as well. Mm -hmm. Such a gentle, amazing, powerful force. Christina Nasti. What do you so mean? the next book I'd like to talk about is The Other Black Girl by Zakia Dalila Harris, and it's published by Atria Books. Um, and the author spent nearly three years working in the editorial department at Knopf Doubleday before leaving to write this debut novel. Um, so what happens when two young Black women meet against the starkly white backdrop of New York City book publishing. This book happens, that's what. Um, it's set in the rarefied world of book publishing, yet it speaks to any workplace um, where there's a lack of diversity and it gets the conversation started um, on race, on office politics, on gender. It's, um, it's really dynamic, it's really smart. The social commentary is great. It's perfect for anyone who's ever felt manipulated, threatened, or overlooked in the workplace. Um, and it'll keep you on the edge of your seat until the very last twist. So highly recommended. Yeah, the other black girl. One that I wanna recommend is uh, admittedly by a friend, someone that we all here in uh, Miami love. And he's a director of the uh, writing program at Florida International University. 
and the author of a book that I think is one of the best books about Florida and uh, the history of Florida called The Last Train to Paradise. And that's Les Standiford. Les has got a new book about to come out called The Battle for the Big Top. It's, um, it's, it's, about, it's about Ringling and uh, Barnum and Bailey and their basic um, development and how they developed the whole notion of the circus and what it meant in 19th century America all the way through the 20th century. You know, the American circus isn't as much in fashion these days, but Les's book is kind of going to give, put it in historical perspective. I remember the days when the circus would come to town when I was, when I was young, and it was always a really exciting time. And Les has kind of captured that so beautifully in the battle for the big top. Uh, that'll be out in about a week or so as well. So I hope you'll check that out. Gael? Um, okay, so another one that I'd like to recommend is The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. So I will admit this book was not really on my radar. It kind of fell into my lap. And uh, for those of, we all know John Green. He's the author of The Fault in Our Stars, Looking for Alaska. So we know he is a fantastic storyteller, but he kind of shifts course here. Um, he, he has a podcast uh, called The Anthropocene Reviewed. And um, this is um, kind of expanded and extended from that podcast, this book. So he reviews on a five-star basis, different things from our era which we call the Anthropocene, which is kind of the unofficial name for the current geological age, which is a period in which human activity is the dominant influence on climate and the environment. So he, each essay is a review and he ends the essay with a, five, with a rating, one star, five star. Uh, he reviews things like sunsets, air conditioning, uh, scratch and sniff stickers, the board game Monopoly, the works, the works of Agnes Martin, and for the most part, these are really fun and informative. And he draws in a lot of moments of his own life into the reviews. Um, but they're also very poignant and tender. And there are two that kind of floored me, two reviews that really had me kind of weeping. <laughs> um, and that's, he reviews Auld Lang Syne, the New Year's Eve song. And he goes into the history of it and what it is to lose somebody um, and the, the other one that really amazed me was the review of the extinct Hawaiian bird, the Kauai O'o, which was, you know, heartbreaking. Um, but at the core of these essays, these are essays about human connection, loneliness, uh, mental health, the natural world. He also talks about living through a pandemic, which is when he kind of wor worked a lot on this book. Um, and we do have signed copies in the store. Um, but I also highly recommend heading over to Libro FM and downloading it as an audiobook because I both read and listened to it, but the audio really, really makes this book shine and makes it that much more um, evocative. So I highly, yeah. highly recommend Does he read it himself? Yes, and he has a wonderful voice. I was transfixed. We should talk a little bit about audiobooks. I mean, we, uh, Libro FM, you can get audiobooks on most indie bookstores site. And um, as we all begin to take walks more and work out more and be in our cars more, I found, uh, I've rediscovered audiobooks myself. And, and one of the books that, 
you know, that I would recommend, and I've been listening to it on audiobooks, is The Thousand Crimes of Ming Su by Tom Lin. And it also is a really good one to listen to. Uh, it's kind of compared to Cormac McCarthy and the Cone Brothers. It's basically uh, Ming Su, um, who has to extricate himself from a life uh, in a California crime syndicate uh, in the 19th century. And so it deals with, um, it has a little bit of magical realism in it. It has a little bit of, um, of, of 19th century railroad history. It, it, it's also a, a novel which takes the form of a quest. He's on, he's on a quest to rediscover and reconnect with a woman that he fell in love with but he has to perform all these tasks, which usually involve murder before he reaches the end of that, uh, that quest. This is a first novel. Tom Lynn is the author. Christina Russell. Yeah, um, my next book is for fantasy readers. It's called The Wolf and the Woodsman by Ava Reed. It came out this past Tuesday from Harper Voyager. Um, this is an adult fantasy novel. It's been widely compared to the work of Catherine Arden and Naomi Novik. And those are both comps that I've heard many, many times over the last several years in regards to um, this kind of like literary fairy tale-esque fantasy. But this is honestly the first time that I feel like it rings true for me. The Wolf in the Woodsman is inspired by Hungarian history and Jewish mythology. And it follows Avike, a young woman from a pagan village who has no magic and has sort of lived as an outcast for that. And she's taken by her village from, um, uh, by these woodsmen, which is a holy order serving a fanatically religious king. And uh, they think she has magic and they wanna use it. Uh, but very shortly thereafter, all of these woodsmen are killed except for the one-eyed captain who turns out to be the disgraced prince, um, the son of that fanatical king. So. It's, I don't think I could describe it properly right now, but to keep things short, it is um, a story about not belonging in your world. Neither of these main characters belong in their worlds. And it very smartly discusses um, the perils of nationalism, ethnic cleansing, oppression. And it's peppered with these vignettes of really, really gorgeously written Jewish mythology. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. I, I love it. I think anyone would. Christina Nasty. So, um, Dear Centurion, a Black Spirit Memoir by Akwaike Emetsi, published by Riverhead Books. And Akwaike is the author of Freshwater and their second novel, The Death of Vivek Oji, uh, was one of the most anticipated books of 2020. It was an instant New York Times and indie bestseller. This is a memoir that's told in letters um, through candid, intimate correspondence. Akwake traces um, the unfolding of a self um, and her journey or their journey of a creative spirit. Um, these pages um, usher readers into all of these like intimate conversations with friends um, and they paint a portrait of Akwake's emergence um, as a non-binary transhuman. Um, brilliant book. Roxane Gay says, this is unlike anything I've read. 
Um, there are many magnificent parts where the language, the insight, the writing are simply unparalleled. Um, they also are fearlessly open about identity, success, human frailty, mental health, destructive decisions that are sometimes necessary to achieve a greater goal. And they are remarkably clear-eyed about the best and worst parts of themselves. This is a remarkable memoir and really expands possibilities for the genre. Gael? Uh, so one of the very biggest books of the summer comes from our own favorite Florida dad, Kristen Arnett, uh, with Teeth. Uh, just came out last week, I believe, or a couple weeks ago. Um, and she, for fan, fans of mostly, mostly Dead Things, her first novel will not be disappointed. With Teeth tells the story of Sammy and her son, Samson, as they struggle to bond and as she questions her own feelings about motherhood. And Kristen is a master of delving into how fragile and messy and dark family dynamics can be. And she once again asks us to rethink our perceptions of queer characters and queer families and allows them the space to be flawed and complex. And she always seems to find the beauty in this, you know, in these flaws and it lends such warmth and uh, wit to her characters. And we just had a virtual event with her last weekend and she talks about how she loves uh, messy and complicated people who do things they regret. And I think that's what makes her books so um, compelling. Her writing is so honest and true and also disturbing as it shines a light on the parts of ourselves that we would maybe rather keep in the dark, but she puts it all out there and uh, we love her characters all the more for it. Um, so we are thrilled also that she is, we are her local indie. And so we have signed copies, we can do personalized copies. I think if you just contact the store or go to our website and we will make it happen. And we, we sold hundreds of, of Kristen's book and the most fun was looking at the comments that people had and the suggestions there were a lot of drawings of raviolis and dogs and uh, horses. <laughs> we had the hardest time with horses, I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. You know, there's, um, there's a book that I want to recommend. It's, it's an older book, but it's a book that I think if you, have not, if you didn't discover it when it came out, you should discover it now. It's called Milk, Blood, and Heat, or just Milk, Blood, Heat. It's by Dantil Moniz, and it's a collection of stories. She's a, she lives, uh, she's from Jacksonville. She doesn't live there now. But these stories are, in so many ways, they are complex, they are lush, and they're really surprising. And they're almost as if she inhabits the persona of the people that she's writing from, uh, from the perspectives from which she writes. Each story is different. Each story explores something about the human condition. Um, and each story, I think, stands on its own as something quite remarkable. Milk, Blood, Heat, Dantil, Moniz. And I think we're going to hear a lot from Dantil as we go, as we watch her writing career develop. Um, I forgot where we were. Is it? Who's turn? Russell. Somebody jump in. <laughs> okay. um, so I, I'm, I'm 
going into the YA section now, I've officially been in four sections of the store. Um, and I'm going to recommend We Can't Keep Meeting Like This by Rachel Lynn Solomon, which came out this week from Simon & Schuster. I have been a big fan of Rachel and Solomon's books for a while now. I met her at a winter institute or a children's institute a couple of years back. Um, and I went into this one expecting to enjoy it and it did not disappoint. It's um, a really sweet, very funny, charming story that takes place largely at a series of events, of weddings, I'm sorry, which both main characters' families are working. Quinn's family are wedding coordinators and Tarek's are uh, wedding caterers. And so despite this sort of uh, quirky, chaotic nature of that backdrop, it doesn't shy away from having really thoughtful discussions of mental illness, religion, and generally like dissecting uh, the messiness of coming of age and falling in love and figuring out who you are at that like graduating from high school freshman year of college age. So it's upper YA, um, but it ha- it's very character driven and they're both incredibly well-wrought and endearing. And I, I loved reading about them. It was great. What is the title of that again? We Can't Keep Meeting Like This. And the author? Rachel Lynn Solomon. Christina Nasti. So my uh, next pick is uh, The Manning Tree Witches by A.K. Blakemore. And it's published by Catapult. And it's described as Wolf Hall meets the favorite um, in this beguiling debut novel that brilliantly brings to life the residents of a small English town in the grip of the 17th century witch trials and the young woman who is tasked with saving them all from themselves. Um, A.K. Blakemore is a poet uh, turned novelist Uh, with a really enthralling voice. Um, And this book is based on a true story of Matthew Hopkins, the witch finder general of the novel, who was a real witch hunter in the 17th century England. Um, The Manning Tree Witches kind of plunges readers into the fever and menace of the English witch trials, uh, where suspicion, mistrust, and betrayal run amok. Um, as a nation's arrogant male institutions start to realize that the very people they've suppressed for so long may be about to rise up and claim their freedom. So it's a great read. Really interesting. I hope we, I hope we all rise up and claim our freedom. That would be a really <laughs> good thing, I think, for all of us. Working on it. We're working um, on it. <laughs> Gael? Uh, so my next recommendation is Empire of Pain by Patrick Radden Keefe published by Doubleday. Um, This one will really make your blood boil. Um, It's a page turner that really captures how truth is sometimes so much stranger than fiction. Uh, This is a book about the opioid epidemic, which has ravaged the country for more than a decade, I'd say 20 years now. And all roads lead back to the Sackler family as to why this happened. You know, three generations of this family have systematically pushed opioids into the hands of doctors and patients. And Arthur Sackler, kind of the head honcho of the family, uh, was an ad man, I think back in the 50s or 60s, I would say. And he basically created medical marketing, you know, targeting people with clever ads to take medications that they may not even need. So without getting too deep into this, because this book makes me very angry, (laughs) 
Um, but this is investigative journalism at its very, very finest. It reads like true crime. Every few pages, your jaw will drop as to how this family has repeatedly gotten away with murder, both literally and figuratively, you know, using every loophole in the book to keep making money. And, you know, there's no better example of the insanity that exists as these corporations and manufacturers are lobbying to change the policies to suit their needs uh, so they can make money with zero regard for the public good. And I'll be honest, the only reason I even read this book is because it, it is written by Patrick Redden Keefe. I will read anything he writes. Say Nothing is one of my favorite books. I don't think I otherwise would have ever read a book about the Sackler family or the opioid crisis, but I'm very glad I did. Uh, this book is necessary and eye-opening and very important. Everyone, please read it. And you can also listen to him in yes. one of our virtual uh, events that we had a, a few weeks ago. Really, really brilliant and uh, beautifully told um, that book is and infuriating as um, Gael mentions. A book I wanna mention really quickly and I think we'll pick up the pace a little bit and just start you know, maybe giving a, a little bit of a shorter introduction to some of these books. And I even wanna talk about some books that I haven't read and maybe you guys will too. But I read a book by Russell Banks Russell Banks wrote a book that was for years one of my favorite books called Continental Drift. Most of his work is work that I love. And this book is called Forgone. And it, it took me by surprise because um, it, it kind of crept up on me. It's a book about, it's about a documentary filmmaker who left to go from the United States to Canada and became very famous in Canada. And as a way of talking about uh, the story of his life, He's at the end of his life and he asks one of his students, another documentary filmmaker, to record him as he tells the story of his life. And the story of his life um, takes you through the 60s and the 70s, takes you through people who were uh, draft dodgers uh, during the Vietnam War. But at the same time, it's exceedingly personal and universal and makes you begin to think about kind of your own life and looking back on it and um, understanding how precious time actually is. So it's Foregone by Russell Banks. And I'm gonna just mention three others uh, that I wanna read that I haven't read yet that, that look really, really interesting to me. One is All the Water I've Seen is Running by Elias Rodriguez, published by Norton. It'll be coming out soon. It's about growing up in the deep, deep South as a gay man, um, and he's a young man who goes back to the Deep South to confront his friends. Uh, another one is called Waterlog, A Swimmer's Journey Through Britain. And this is a reprint of a book that was written years ago about a guy who went, who lived in Great Britain, and he went into a little pond, a little stream in the back of his house, and that led him to want to swim all of the small little waterways of England. Um, and the third one is a fascinating account of slavery called How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. And what he does is he takes you beginning in New Orleans, which is his hometown, on a tour of monuments and landmarks throughout the country that um, kind of shaped our nation's collective memory and history 
of slavery and how central it's been in shaping those memories. So those are just a few that I'm, I, I want to end with. And uh, Christina Russell, what do you think? What do you, what do you want reader, listeners out there to not uh, to be aware of, I mean? I mean, I'm just going to give a few titles, I think, quickly. Um, I highly recommend Tokyo Ever After by Miko Jean. It's a sort of update on the Princess Diaries. It's got all the froth of American royals, but a little more, I don't know, maybe uh, depth to it. I, I just, I, I absolutely love this book. Um, and then I want to recommend The Poison Heart by Kaylin Bayron, which um, is a secret, secret garden Greek mythology mashup with like a ton of black girl magic. It's got mystery. It's got mayhem. It's got a mansion with an apothecary. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I'll throw in one more, which is The Muse Squad Mystery of the Tenth by Chantal Acevedo, which is coming out next month, July 6th. It's the second book in the Muse Squad duology, um, or duology or series, I'm not sure, but um, this is a perfect fit for fans of Rick Riordan and Rashmi Chakchi. Christina Nasti. So um, if you're in the mood for a great biography, I would try Tom Stoppard by Hermione Lee. Um, if you love movies and movie directors, uh, check out film critic David Thompson's A Light in the Dark, A History of Movie Directors. Um, I'm excited about Paula Hawkins' A Slow Fire Burning, which will be out in August. And of course, Paula is the author of The Girl on the Train. And this is a new thriller. And Lee Child says that Hawkins is proving herself a worthy 21st century heir to Barbara Vine and Patricia Highsmith. So that's pretty high praise. Um, there's also a book called The Playwright's House by Dariel Suarez. Um, it's set in La Habana, Cuba, and it's about brotherhood, surveillance culture, the power of the theater, and how past ghosts haunt the present. And he's gonna be in conversation with Laura Vandenberg uh, coming up sometime later this month. And that seems like a really interesting book. I haven't read it yet. Gael? Uh, so I'd like to end with a few books that I've loved or that I'm excited about. I really loved The Liar's Dictionary by Ellie Williams that came out a little earlier this year. It's really delightful. It's the story of the misadventures of a lonely lexographer, lexicographer <laughs> and a young woman set on his trail a hundred years later. Um, it's a very, it's brilliant, it's charming. I wish I could talk more about it. Uh, I also want to echo your recommendation, Mitchell, for all the water I've seen is running. Uh, I'm very excited about that one. I also wanna mention Rainbow Milk by Paul Mendez, which is a coming of age story um, of uh, Jesse who struggles with his racial and sexual identities against the backdrop of his upbringing as a Jehovah's Witness. I've heard people compare him to a young James Baldwin. So that is definitely something to check out. And also A Little Devil in America by Hanif Abdurraqib, which is a collection of essays on black performance in America and how it is so deeply woven into our culture. Um, I especially love the essay on Mary Clayton who famously sang the backup on uh, Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. Uh, his sentences are gorgeous. He is a master of weaving together history and pop culture in such illuminating ways. Uh, I, these are all books that I highly, highly recommend. 
hearing you guys talk reminds me that you know these these virtual events that we have are are such a good way such an intimate way of discovering books that you might want to read and there are two that i just listened to this week we had amanada forna um on and uh, her new uh collection is called the window seat and uh, she was in a virtual event and it just kind of blew me away, as did the one with Jim Shepard, who just wrote Phase Six, which he wrote before the pandemic, but it has echoes of a pandemic in it. Uh, and it's quite remarkable. And then there's a little, uh, not little, but there's a book that uh, is from a smaller press called Red Hand Press. And it's, uh, it's a disturbing uh, novel, but it's so moving. It's called Strange Children, by Sadie Hoagland. And although we did not have her as a virtual uh, guest, uh, she's someone that I think uh, you wanna pay attention to as we go forward. As you can tell out there, we could do this all day. Um, I am so proud to be working alongside these three people, as well as the other booksellers that we have in the store. Um, the love of literature and the desire to put good books into people's hands is what independent booksellers do all across this country. And I couldn't be prouder. And if you miss some of the titles, what I realized listening is all you got to do is go back and re-listen and try to find those titles again. So we'll also put it on our website as well so you can find them. But again, thank you, the three of you, for being on Literary Life and go out there and sell lots of books.